there are times I want to have a conversation about a concept or idea that I, that's new and Michelle's not interested, you know, <laughs> she was like, eh. you know, I don't care about, you know, growth strategy and Ansos matrix. And, you know, yeah. it's a place where <laughs> I know, Steve, how can you imagine that somebody would growth matrix. <laughs> Product Growth Leaders proudly presents the Business of Product Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here with Product Growth Leaders for our weekly topic of the week conversation. This week, our topic is peer networking. And actually, was not planned this way, but we have a first-time guest who actually was one of my longtime peer networks for product management, John Cottrell, former pragmatic marketing instructor, is joining us for the first time on the panel this week. John, welcome. Thank you for having me. and look forward to hearing about networking. Well, you know... As I said, excited to have John here because of the topic. In general, excited to have him, but the topic's a key one. For about five or six years, while John was still doing pragmatic marketing, on occasion, I'd be in New York when he's training in New York, or I'd be in Chicago when he's training in Chicago. And some of those conversations at dinner were some of the greatest conversations. And it was four or five years ago, John's like, let's get Steve Johnson in on this, this conversation. And so that conversation turned into a regularly scheduled Saturday morning call, which my wife's like, why are you doing calls on Saturday morning? <clears throat> and that group became what, you know, you know, the idea for product growth leaders came out of that group. So as we talk about peer networking, to have John Cottrell, who's been a long time, good, trusted product management peer of mine, along with Steve, and now my new, one of my new true peer networks, right? Jason Vincelet and John Harmer. Uh, you guys, are, this this call, as I say, at the end of every call has been one of my go-to things as a true network, true peer network, especially when it comes to uh, product management in the product space. So it's a, it's a topic I'm passionate about, uh, as I always do my disclaimers when I'm doing any presentations. When I'm passionate about something, I talk louder and faster. So hold up the stop sign if you need me to slow down. With that said, we will dive into uh, the questions to the Monday conversation. <clears throat> Jason, I am not going to hold it against you that you did not get in first. Uh, Anita, I believe, is still in Switzerland. And so she was already well into her day. She didn't need coffee when this thing popped up at nine o'clock, you know, because she got in there pretty darn quick. I saw the notice that it was there. I was assuming it was you, but it was not. But Anita would. Yeah, I can't uh, win them all. I can't win them all, Grant. <laughs> I'm still trying to find the pattern, Jason, as to do you do better when you answer them the first in the week or the last in the week? And, and I definitely my, remember them better when I answer them later in the week. It, it, but I don't know if there's any correlation or causation. So right <laughs> now there's no pattern. So, but Anita came out. Uh, Anita actually had spent some time with Pragmatic Marketing. Uh, great resource. The Product Management Peer Network has been great. Few universities tune, turn out product management degrees. So our peers are usually from various backgrounds in education. Uh, this provides a great deal of diversity of thought that can both challenge and add to what you already know and experience. This ultimately creates growth 
uh, both professionally personal. Actually, that was you, wasn't it? I think I put yours on first, Jason. Oh, you did. You you didn't come in first, but I I put yours first when I was with Jason. Steve's favorite teacher's pet. <laughs> yeah, just getting the apples I give him every day. <laughs> so, Jason, let's talk about that, right? How did you you know? How did you get into product management first? You talked about um, university degrees. Yeah. Do you want to put that um, so we can read the response up there? Oh, sorry. I. The other thing, uh, John Gattrell, I've been playing with mm-hmm so I can uh, be a, a participant. Can Can you see that? Yeah. Jason? All right. Full screen, whether we can see it, I don't know. Well, that's with, with going with the gallery, it's tough. This is the, yeah. the concept of, uh, of mm-hmm. So peers from different backgrounds and educations, right? Yes. Uh, provides a great deal of diversity of thoughts <laughs> and can challenge and add to what you already know and experience. Uh, how much of your peer network is from the coworkers? Um, very little, <laughs> actually. Um, so yeah, most of my peer network has to do with more kind of regional, um, but also, like I said, everybody here. Uh, I just think that it's uh, important to have a peer network in product management because, like I said, um, unlike a lot of things, for example, computer science or accounting, um, there's no real, there's not a long history of degrees in product management. And so there, there's not a lot of uh, consistency of background. And so what ends up happening is we all become product manager from different backgrounds and economics and art and things of that nature, which makes it for a very interesting dynamic network of ideas and, and perspectives. And so I think that's one of the most valuable things from having a network specifically in product management. It's interesting you say that. I, I remember interviewing something. I was a VP and I was interviewing for a director position. And I went to a liberal arts college, you know, my, my degrees from liberal arts college. And the first time ever in an interview, somebody came out and said, one of my differentiations is I went to a liberal arts college and that gives me the ability to think critically and, and gives me a diverse background. John Gattrell, uh, love to get your take on this. I mean, competitive speech is not really a, uh, you know, path for anything but politics, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's a little inside baseball. Uh, my undergrads in uh, political science, my grad work is in geography and, you know, often when I work with folks and I, I think about what skills I'm looking for, um, I'm thinking about analysis, right? Can you see unstructured information and put it in context? And um, I've had the luxury of hiring technologists. I've had the luxury of hiring uh, professional product folks. If I'm given the, the choice, a product person or uh, someone that knows the domain, I'm going to pick the person that knows product from a best practice because I can teach because they, they can They can learn. They can learn. If they've got the skills, they can learn. <clears throat> Let me ask you, when you look, take it outside of the people who you hire or work with and bring it into the, this trusted peers, you know, uh, you know, I, 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 there's names that I'll throw, throw out, but you, you know who I'm talking about. How, is there something specific you see that's common in their backgrounds? Is it diversity that's important? You know, when you look at that close network, the trusted circle. You no, know, you know, I, what I look for is people that have failed and learned from it, right? And I don't, it's not a background. You, know, you see it on their resume. You can see progressing cr progress over time. But uh, when you get really lucky is when they're willing to invest time with you, that they're empathetic mm -hmm. with 
maybe being junior or not knowing something. And uh, certainly I've had to pay that back over the last two or three years. I spent a lot of time coaching new folks. Mm. Um, and uh, back to your question about, you know, what kind of skills, you know, if, if I had to say a degree, give me an anthropologist all day long, because yeah. you know what? I can, I can teach a product, but I can't teach empathy. I can't teach observation in a, a non-biased way. And so, uh, in fact, uh, I've had really good experience in my career with, with the soft skills around yep. analysis. Jason, it reminded me of our, you, you stole my answer, gosh, months ago about d- interesting backgrounds for product management. And you said journalism. Right. Somebody who knows how to who ask questions and do that type of stuff. John Cottrell, you know, anthropology. I love that answer. It makes me wonder if Dak Shepard would be a, a great uh, product manager because he's got an anthropology degree. John Harmer, I'm going to use that as a pivot to you just because I had been sharing Dak Shepard with you recently. Uh, his, his podcast, Experts on Experts. Let's let's what, you know, background of the type of people you work with or hire versus background of the type of people you put in your into your troop here you know, trusted circle, you're three or four dudes. Yeah. The three or four dudes in a Slack channel is, uh, former colleagues, uh, in that case. And, and theoretically we're going to slowly expand that as, as Scott likes to add people to it eventually. Um, but like the, if I think horse. about, yeah, as in sell horse, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as I think about like where, like the background of people we hire, we, I guess we talked about this some before, like, to John Grichel's point, people who can do analytics. To Jason's point, people who can talk to other people and you know get information out of them in a useful way and have empathy, which is my favorite word about product management ever. Uh, but then the people that I, the sort of peer networking people, are people that I try to use to like level up more. And so it's things like this group. There's a, a few not four dudes in the Slack channel. The Slack channels that I'm in, like there's Product Four Hundred Four, which is sort of an Atlanta-based one. Yep. Um, there's a lot Atlanta's of LinkedIn. A great community. Atlanta's a great community. Yep. Absolutely. It's. I'm really happy to have been a part of that community and looking forward to getting back there at some point. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a little different when I'm thinking about people I'm going to hire versus people I'm going to peer network with. Yeah, makes a lot. Steve, you get a lot of people coming to you, right? As the industry, do we we decided that Pioneer was one that didn't age you, right? Versus yeah, legend that, that works that's all right so the as the it you know product management training pioneer by the way f- foreshadowing a future episode probably this year celebrates 25 years of steve johnson as a product management educator uh it was 1996 that he joined pragmatic marketing so we're gonna have a uh silver jubilee uh <laughs> yeah i don't know he ruined he ruined my life in 2001 and now I do this stuff. So, so, so Steve, you know, a lot of people come to you, you know, where do you, you know, what's the background you look for, for the peers to help you to be that true peer to you, not the person coming to ask you to be their mentor or coach. Well, Yeah. I mean, I, I do have a lot of people who are newbies or wannabes who reach out to me and say, you know, for the 900th time, you know, how do I get into product management? Um, and, you know, it's kind of like, how do you get to Carnegie Hall, right? Practice, practice, practice. Um, 
and they're they're looking for you know is there a certification I can get that will put me at the front of the line and I'm like the course oh, certification you know, I think there is the course open certification <laughs> that you might explore, um, but in terms of, of of people that I network with I mean the the peers of my own it's it's this group and uh, uh, the Saturday conversations that we talked about and I really get fired up by having conversations with people who are curious mm-hmm. and passionate, you know, and, and I, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, I, I worked with a company in North Carolina and the, the VP said, you know, there's a product camp coming up this weekend. Uh, I know a lot of you have kids and, you know, lives and stuff like that. Um, but I really want you to participate in Saturday's uh, event. I mean, it's, uh, Steve's going to, you know, Steve Johnson's going to be there talking about whatever it is Steve Johnson talks about. And, you know, he, he really pushed it pretty hard. And he said, in fact, I'm going to let you take Friday off to do all the stuff you would normally do on Saturday. So he and I met up at, on Saturday. And this is me driving down from D.C. to uh, Raleigh, which is like a five-hour drive just to go down there. Not one of his people showed up. And he was livid and understandably so. And he said, the thing that kills me is I have these people who claim to be product managers, but seem to have no interest in product management. Yeah. And it's, and so, you know, it's been hard to find people who are passionate about product management. This group of people we brought together to develop the courts framework and the, the open source templates. I mean, were people who were giving up their Saturday to do it, you know, these Things that we're doing on Friday with product growth leaders are people who are intensely curious and passionate about product management uh, and are willing to give up their Friday lunch hour. So uh, that's what I look for is people who are curious and passionate. So side note, I want to see if we can get for when we start our podcast, whenever that happens, uh, there's a lady who created the curiosity code. It's a way to sort of objectively score curiosity of people and talk about the importance of curiosity. That could be an interesting expert topic. Uh, just want to get that in the notes. Uh, I, I would say, Steve, this is something you could probably say about any function, right? I remember yeah. when Michelle was working at sales at a big tele- telecommunications company, she joked about how a lot of the inside salespeople, they didn't want to be the gophers. They never put their head up above the cubicle because they just wanted to stay. They didn't want to be picked on. They didn't want to, they felt that if they went out of their way to be, to do something more, that they were going to get asked to do more and a lot of people. So, you know, I don't know if that's the case or not, but, you know, I, we saw the professional, the, the professional development that only, you know, 12% actually apply the skills to the real jobs. I wouldn't be surprised if the number, if you did a cross function, you, 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 you would see that it's probably somewhere like that. Uh, I, I want to get to the next answer, which was Anita's. She talked about the, the, the community peer network uh, is invaluable. The pandemic has done a fabulous job reminding that also how important this network is for my career, but also from the social aspect. It's easy to feel isolated in the pandemic. I'm, you know, I'll put the full thing up here if you guys want to read it uh, and get rid of me. But she goes to that social aspect. We talk about empathy in the job and, you know, helping us do that. But it's also, you know, that, that Saturday call and these calls, 
it was that when you're having a bad week, when you're down, when you're when, the, the, the social support, the, the friendship support is key. John, I'd love to get your take. I mean, you live on, you live even outside the country. Now you're international. You've built, you're building your whole, whole system there. Talk to me about how your peer networks, both product management and other help you with that social aspect. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I had, I literally had this discussion, um, with a friend and Markley, uh, the, uh, the other day we got on the phone and we, we talked about working from home, you know, certainly has its benefits got good, but it's that accidental engagement. It's those random acts of interaction that maybe over the course of a normal work day, when we're in an office, we don't think about, but I am hungry for the random, idea someone. I mean, maybe when I'm in an office, I don't want you to be giving me a lot of feature ideas. Mm-hmm. But now that I haven't had that, uh, or I haven't had the, did you see this movie? And it, it, and I don't know the right word, but there's like this emptiness that random socialization in a building gave us. And so you got to take the effort, right? I mean, I'm in Costa Rica, Right. I'm not getting on planes and seeing people now. I mean, when I lived in Atlanta, you could go to a uh, technology association, of Georgia event. Right. You could do something like that. It was a great scene. Um, You know, but in Costa Rica, it's now my burden to stay connected. And I think that's the part that we all have to embrace, whether you're working from home or doing something else. It's not anyone else's fault. Mm -hmm. You're where you are. And so what effort are you going to put forward to close that gap? Right. And so that's what I've, I've tried to take that burden on myself by doing catch up 15 minute discussions and, you know, just making sure people are alive. You know, I actually send messages on LinkedIn, still alive question mark. And it's sort of funny. It's sort of fearful, uh, right. What the answer is, but the reality is let's just ping each other. Let's know that we're here together doing something. Uh, that's, that's a great observation. And, and John, you know, everyone's, he pings me on messenger every once in a while, uh, which is good for me. I, on that, I do ask you if you're alive. You don't do. I? I, you do. I, I appreciate that. In, in John, John, what's the answer to that? We're still, we're still holding out. Sometimes he's like, I'm a robot. on. <laughs> what I was going to say is that there, there are some times that, you know, if I read a really good article, say on Peter Drucker, and then that's a joke for Steve because somebody's giving us shit for me always posting Peter Drucker stuff, but I love the guy. If I read a really interesting article, uh, Roger Martin, I just read some great stuff. I'm sharing some of that. I-, I will read it. I will share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'll put some commentary on it. But there are times I want to have a conversation about a concept or idea that I, that's new. And Michelle's not interested, you know? <laughs> She was like, eh. you know, I don't care about, you know, growth strategy and Ansos matrix. And, you know, it's a place where <laughs> I know, Steve, how could you imagine that somebody would growth matrix? <laughs> Come on, let's do a really cool pivot table, Emily. I got an awesome pivot table in my head. I, I want to throw this to John Harmer and Jason Vincelet because, you know, obviously Steve, John and I know we have known each other for years. We've been doing this conversation. You two have become our regular panelists, right? Talk to me about, you know, what outside of the pushing the ideas and the growing that type of stuff, how has this 
played a role. Obviously, you're here more often than other people. Is there is there a social and you know uh, something other than just the 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 work side of it? I'll start. Uh, sorry, Jason. Uh, yes, to me there def there definitely is, and part of it's because I uh, because of the pandemic, and we are also international at this point, and you know removed from our regular social circles and all that stuff, and so. I am, you know, I'm thirst, I think Cottrell might have said that word, for this sort of human interaction thing. And so there's definitely a social aspect of this to me. And we talk about professional stuff when we hop on these calls, but it still feeds that spontaneous interaction thing that I need in humanity. Uh, and then for the four dudes in the Slack channel with Selhorst, uh, there's a whole lot of that sort of empathetic interpersonal uh, banter that goes on in there that's, that's been very helpful in, again, these sort of isolating times. Yeah. Jason. Well, I'm not really here for the people. I thought I was getting paid <laughs> for this. So um, if that's not the case, you need to update me. The checks in the mail. Yeah, checks in the mail. Can always no, count honestly, on Jason for a good joke. Yeah. It's uh, a rev share on payment by the customer. You're good. You go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this has been a fantastic. Obviously, you've been doing this for, I think we're going on a year now almost. Um, and so it's been really good for the personal level, obviously. I mean, I'm, I was 1600 people in my company, most of them European, but none of them are passionate about product management. And I think I have 30 product managers and it goes back to what Steve's saying. I don't think anybody would show up on a Saturday, honestly. And so they do, they're very passionate about their industry and what their products are. But as far as product management, I think there's maybe one person and they're just kind of learning it. You know, they're doing, they don't even know they're doing product management right now. And so this gives me an opportunity to talk to other people that are very passionate about product managers uh, about product management and also like sharing some of these ideas and concepts and for me to kind of stay on top of things. And um, yeah, I, there's, there's, there's so many, so much value to this. And I think I comment almost every week on how amazing that these conversations end up being, even when there's dry topics. So, <laughs> so Jason, do, do you think that, lack of passion is because it's lack of consistency of what product is and it's not its own sort of swim lane career path do you think no we have evolved? a very 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 that's a very good question we have a very defined career path um but nobody has uh, it's just a culture of um finnish company it's just a culture of a really kind of european-based company where they don't they don't strive to to the next level necessarily in their career. They're kind of always just good. And, and because of that, there's not a lot of self-education that goes in the park um, outside of the organization to get you to the next level. Nobody wants to be the next level. Whereas in the US anyway, um, we tend to always want, or in North America, we tend to always want to get to the next level. So we do this kind of self-education. And so even though they're product managers, most of them are just born from engineers and they're just good with whatever they're told to do, waiting for the time where they retire. I think it's also a different swim lane even here in the U.S., that mm. the folks I was talking about in North Carolina thought of themselves as subject matter experts. They were domain experts, and they were like, where can I go be that? You know, and they got hired as a product manager, whatever that is, but we need you to bring your subject matter and domain expertise to the party. And so they're more interested in sharing their expertise and less interested in becoming experts in product management. Which is why in five years, their roadmap is going to be stale and have not kept up, kept up with the market, but. <laughs> yeah, but I would hit that again, right? There's, 
do they do they get their organizational gravitas from their domain expertise yeah. or their strategy and execution? I think that goes back to role, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, where do we put together a professional, this is it, right? And if the value is hoarding domain-specific information for a single product and managing a backlog, I, to Jason's point, I can see where let's just do the work. And when the yeah. work is done, yo, right? And yeah. then if, if Jason promotes me in four years, right on. If he doesn't, guess what? I'm going to have a beer. Yeah. And yet what happens with me is I get every week, I get a request from somebody for some form of coaching, uh, which usually ends up having in the thread, uh, I don't have any adults to talk to. Well, and that, and that I, Steve, I just went to your answer about not having adults to talk to about product management. Yeah. Uh, so you said, I have a number of coaching experiences where the product leaders say, I just don't have any adults to talk to about product management. You're able to share your experiences, but these leaders really need a network of similar folks. And that's a key thing. You're an educator, you're a coach, right? You're not a true peer to these people, right? You're an adult for them to talk to, but finding people who were in the same situation. I think that's one of the things that resonated when we had that Saturday morning calls was each of us were trainers, coaches, consultants, so sort of not employees of a company in product management, but people helping companies with product management. So I, I think that's a key thing to look at. I, you know, and I referenced the call in my answer. Uh, John, if I knew you were going to be on the call, I would not have put some other former pragmatic marketing instructors and alumni because you would have been li- listed by name, but I didn't know John Gattrall you were going to be. I, I'm all good. Uh, there is no <laughs> offense. In fact, the more I can just kind of slink around and I'm good. Hey, speaking of slinking, I actually am doing this chief product officer role and uh, the CEO put something on my calendar. So I wish I could stay the whole thing. Um, but this is great. And you're doing it every week? Every, well, almost every Friday. Holidays. All off. right. All right. I've got Steve, a block on my calendar. Steve didn't want to do it on Christmas. I'm like, come on, Steve. It's Christmas. It could be a, a very special <laughs> topic. And of I was available. <laughs> and I yeah, was Apparently... Available my outlook blocks get ignored by my CEO, but it's one of those founder CEO things. You know what I'm talking we about. We had that. John He's, got had product ideas. He's got product ideas. He's got product ideas. John and I had I that conversation just a couple weeks ago. Oh dear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing better than an afternoon meeting on Friday. Good job. Boss John Gattrell. Thank you so Thanks much for, for joining being us. Here. I hope, I hope this experience has been good enough. We can get you coming back because you added a great voice Fun. and, in life to fun. this. So if, if this is the vibe, I'm back, but uh, I can only be like two minutes late. All right, go, you go. Thank I you all much. Jason, John, nice to meet you. And John, I think I met you before some social stuff. In I think it's some Atlanta things. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right, y'all be good. Thanks, Cheers. John. Take care. So, you know, I think I covered in my answer, uh, you know, that social aspect. We're going through similar things. We shared ideas. When I, I've done a lot of peer network stuff. I consulted for a peer network company that did peer networks for C-suite Global 1000. Like if you're the head of marketing for GE Healthcare, you, didn't el- you weren't eligible because you weren't that chief marketing officer for GE. Tony Shea, may he rest in peace, was a member. He couldn't be a member of the CEO group because he reported to Jeff Bezos, right? And I did some stuff in the HR space. I'm a member of Vistage. And 
when I talk to the people, here's the three things that they would often say. It's about an outside perspective, right? It's about, I'm working on an idea. I'm thinking about something. I want somebody's outside perspective. They want I, access. I want to ruin your story and interrupt you. Uh, it wasn't a story. I'm reminded of a grouping of instructors got together. Um, John was actually, may have been in that meeting too. And, and I brought up this, this query, you know, like I've always talked about this concept in this way. Um, but let's step back for a second. I mean, should we really be talking about it this way? And it was uncanny that no one in this conversation could open their minds to a new idea. And, and what happens, one of the instructors said, well, one of the instructors that I trained said, well, here's the way I teach it. And then proceeded to teach it for like three to five minutes, word for word, the way I taught him to teach it. And in terms of like, a, a in this case, a peer network, I still don't have people in this particular grouping who had curiosity and passion. Well, you know, they had passion about let's don't change anything because it will ruin my story. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and so, you know, the, 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 the path you were on of, of being able to have new ideas introduced into the community yeah. is, is a powerful one. I mean, if everybody agrees with everybody on everything, then why are we meeting? Well, and, and that's, you know, when talking to executives, that's one of the key things is like, I want outside perspective on things I'm working on. How is, how is Google doing it? How is, you know, somebody else handling these types of issues? So, so it's that outside perspective. I can share, I can learn the same stuff. I can get access to new ideas, which is part of the outside perspective, but they, you know, they, they clearly delineated, you know, it's, outside perspective, it's new ideas and insights, and it's a trusted support system, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the key thing is to help them grow was I, I put that in the one section. I think this is right. It's not, it's, it's that 10, 20, whatever percent of people who are passionate about this and who do want to grow, whether that is hierarchically up in the organization or just grow with themselves, that's who are the people, and now we can start building a persona, right? Uh, around who would be the right people for a true peer network. Uh, it's the people who have, who have that. And so uh, it's, you know, you need to find some like-minded people who, who are all curious and all passionate, empathetic, and that type have of stuff. different experiences than you're at. It, it, exactly, and different insights. Because, you know, you give everybody, you know, start them at the same point, give them two, two three, four different careers. Each of them is going to have a different experience that they can bring to the table for a more diverse conversation. You no, know, and yeah. I was watching a webinar recently and it, it became clear to me that the speaker had only worked one place because he would say, you know, at company name, we do this. At company name, we do that. At company name, we do the other thing. And I'm like, dude, you have one experience and you're extrapolating that to best practices of the industry. So my changing jobs every 18 months helped me have more diversity of thought. It does indeed. It well, I, I, I will say that it was something that, one of the reasons I did that, I was chasing people to learn from. When, when, I, when I'm hired by people who I can't learn from, I get bored. Insane, yeah. I've heard that described as the difference between having 20 years of experience or having one year of experience repeated 20 times. 
It's a brilliant one. I love that. All right. Let's get to our poll. I'll bring that, this up full screen. I'm getting a little better with this thing, don't you think? I'm just going to shrink me on this. Yeah, one. I have the feeling that there's an automator script that I need to help you write to, <laughs> to toggle that. So I don't like was, your disembodied head in the middle of the screen. That's all right, I'll, I'll get myself back up and think again, and I'll, I'll, I'll get out of the way for a little. So we asked the question in the poll, where do you go to network with prod professionals? And other was two, and I was one of those two. And for me, I never went to places to network with product prof professionals. I, I, my network, I think John Harmer, you had said, there are people I've worked with in the past who I have built trusted relationships and I learned from. And it wasn't like a networking per se. I wasn't going to look for them. They're just people who, when I was at GE, they're somebody who I would run ideas past. And so when I left and I stayed in touch with them, they were somebody to, to stay in touch with. This group, that group of Saturday calls was the first times I had it. And I didn't go somewhere looking for it. I, it was almost curated by the people who I wanted to and chose to talk to. Uh, local events was three. And, and I want to start with you, John Harmer, because I know you were very active in the local and in Atlanta's got a great between project 404 product camp, uh, Atlanta, and now Jason's uh, product coffee stuff. You know, I'd have to say Atlanta's got one of the more vibrant, product management network communities. Talk to me about going there for what that gets you versus, you know, more the four do three or four dudes in a Slack channel and, and, and this type of engagement. It's a level of depth difference, I think. So you can get it like a broad group of people going to the local events, um, meet a ton of people. I mean, I think that's how I met Jason Brad, who does the product coffee and mm -hmm. John Peltier, who's been on these calls before. Like, I think that all came through TAG, Technology Association of Georgia events, because they have a really strong product management society. Um, but then the sort of, you, you go deep with a few, uh, and that becomes your three or four dudes in the Slack channel, your Saturday morning conversations. Yeah. Um, that you find them wherever you happen to find them. You, there's just, you only have the capacity to go deep with a few people and have like the true deep trusted relationship stuff there. The rest of it's, I don't know, I don't, surface sounds bad, but like, it's just breadth instead yeah and, and, and maybe it's also one of these things and, and normally jason is one that changes uh, ch challenges my semantics on words right where do you go to network and where do you go you know so this group is not i'm not not networking now this is, is a group it's a peer network i'm not networking so you know i could change it jason talk to me i know riley's got you know you guys have a or charlotte right charlotte and charlotte we have nothing riley has a pretty good community Raleigh's got a pretty good one, but they do so much in manufacturing that the product management piece tends to be on the manufacturing side, yeah. which brings an interesting dynamic. A lot of it still has to stay kind of high level. You can't really get into that depth because it does change at a, at a point. Yeah. Um, but that, that would be the strength in the Raleigh area, even with the product camp, it's 80% manufacturing product managers, which is interesting. interesting where, where do you go? Where did, did you answer this one? So I did. I answered it with like the product tank um, but we have a product tank here. Um, okay. so that's how I met, met a lot of the product managers that I know. Um, but it's a small group, um, from mind the product. And I'm actually the president of product camp Charlotte, but haven't launched it yet Okay. because of the pandemic. And Steve was going to speak at my first one and we couldn't get together. So I'm uh, figuring out how to do it maybe digitally yeah. initially, um, I'm being asked to do so. 
But um, there's a hunger for that community like uh, at the ATL, John, that you guys have created in Charlotte. And there are so many product managers here, but unfortunately, there's not a lot of organizers here, I don't think. But um, I just need to figure that out. So I'm actually in the precipice of that. Offer to you, if you want to create a private community for Charlotte in the PGL community, we'd be more than happy to spin that one up. It's easy to do and would get, let's give you a digital place to start people talking with each other chat room whatever it might be yeah there's a hunger there's a hunger for networking here if i can figure out how to get those people together i, I definitely need to do that steve <clears throat> we've had the conversation before about how many of the product camps and the meetups and that type of stuff often it it's more often people looking to get into product than people who are in product how, how do you you know how is that for networking when it's sort of one directional? Well, well, two things. One is, you know, I'm encountering wannabes so often now that um, I've developed a new persona to see if this is some, you know, a new portion of the market that I want to figure out a way to serve. Um, because, you know, actually like our uh, fundamentals of managing products on demand course would be, a brilliant way of, of skilling someone up who has never been in product management. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, I've encountered enough of it that I'm thinking, well, you know, how, how about I support that group instead of complaining about it all the time. Um, but what I do find is, you know, I, I like uh, Jason, you know, I, I go to mine the product or I go to meetups or I go to product camps. And uh, I've always kind of joked that a third of the people are wannabes a third of the people are consultants uh, and uh, a, a third of the people are looking for jobs. <clears throat> um, yeah. And, you know, there's, but there's no, you know, hiring man. There are very few hiring managers, very few uh, people who are senior. And, and I had the same experience in, in LinkedIn. I was doing a stint as a chief marketing officer and I went to LinkedIn and joined the chief marketing officer thing. And thought, well, you know, this will be interesting to see what kind of things they're talking about. And like the first post was, does anybody know the difference between an SQL and an, and an MQL? And I'm like, oh, I think I'm in the wrong place. You know, and the next person says, you know, hey, what's a, what's the, some of the best trade shows to go to? And I'm like, oh, I'm not only in the wrong place, I'm in the wrong time. I mean, <laughs> what the hell? And I look at this and I, all I, I finally came to the conclusion that it was filled with Marcom specialists. And yeah. who I don't know why they thought they should be in CMOs. So is there not a place, is there not a place for executives in, in either LinkedIn and other places to gather without being kind of um, whitewashed with kind of junior levels or. You would think, I mean, I don't there, know that LinkedIn has the ability to filter people out except manually. You know, that there's you some have, kind of invite only groups you can be a part there of. There are invite only groups, but you have to find those people first. Yeah. Right. And, you know, in let's be honest, the, the activity in those groups is not a ton, right? It's not happening. And for those senior people, you know, two, two comments for, for on what Steve said. One, I have to say the joke. Wait, so if you are usually picking on them and now you're thinking about figuring out how you can support them with those newbies trying to get in, are you going to also do the same for salespeople? <laughs> no, no, I will continue to be... <laughs> The outlier who thinks of salespeople as um, brilliant order takers. 
so my second thing was when talking to executives about peer networks, right? They don't, uh, whether it's at a conference or a meetup or whatever else, normally when they're at a conference or a meetup or a trade show, they're there to give a keynote. They're get, there to give a speech. They're the headliner. They are the hunted. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to go there to get their card and meet them. And they don't feel true peer. They don't feel, you know, mutual anything on that. But the same happens on LinkedIn, right? It's there. Anybody who's an executive at a company all of a sudden is, has a bullseye on their back because anybody on LinkedIn is trying to sell them something generation, LinkedIn sales, whatever it may be. It, it just, that hasn't become a place. And that's where, you know, the importance of finding that true peer group that you can engage with, whether it's in a Slack channel or not. John, we didn't talk about that. I put this answer on for you. I did answer it, but after you put it in the slides. Okay. <laughs> and I did choose four dudes in Slack channel. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, inside joke, but from our, uh, I think it was our tough decisions uh, question. But, you know, it's, it, I think there's a part of it is that how do you network and meet people? And then how do you then take those people and groom them into being your trusted, you know, inner circle? Uh, yeah. I'm actually going to skip a, the one question to the next one, because that's what it is. How did you build your trusted peer network, right? We talked about some of the sources where people went to. We talked about John Harmer meeting people at some of the local communities or its former coworkers. How do you build a trusted peer network? And, how, you know, not just how do you find the people, but how do you over time build those relationships and, and, and know they're the right people for you? I, I, I'd love to get your take, Steve, since, you know, we're, we, we've done it together for a little bit. Well, you know, I, I should be able to say that I followed a very planned approach, except, you know, having worked with me for a while, you know, I'm terrible at planning. Um, what I, I guess I've found is that my, my peers end up being at the same conferences I'm at um, as speakers. Um, I, you know, I go to an event and, you know, there's Rich Marinoff. And, you know, there's um, April Dunford and there's David Daniels. And so, you know, as I go to these places, I often find I'm seeing the same people. And just through familiarity, you know, like we read each other's books and we we quote one another, I suppose. Um, But I guess that, uh, yeah, well, and a little bit proactively, you know, I have looked at people who were kind of in my space uh, and reach out to them and say, you know, hey, maybe there's something we can do together. And usually the answers, you know, we haven't figured out what that may be, but we're on each other's podcasts or we're on each other's webinars. Um, and I've had a number of occasions over the last 10 years where people will call me and say, you know, how are you doing what you're doing? Because it's, you know, what you're offering is different than what we offer, but fundamentally, you know, your business is the same. And just sharing ideas on, either product management topics or how to be an independent consultant topics um, is very supportive of, of people in similar scenarios. So over time, you know, uh, Greg Preckerel, um, who's the guy in the UK? Uh, Ian Lunn uh, at Product Focus. Yep. Uh, so there, there it, it, as I'm just playing it out in my head, I mean, it's, I've either reached out to people for advice or been reached out to for advice and continue maintaining those relationships through 
email and, and Zoom calls. So th- that, there's a great point that we hadn't talked about earlier. Part of this is your network is individual connections you've made and groomed, you being able to reach out to a Rich Miranov or an April Dumford just for a conversation when you're going through something. Part of it, a peer network is also having a group of people, the shared, you know, this type of environment or those, the, the calls we had, or to John Harmer's point, those three or four dudes in the Slack channel. I, I'm, I'm going to get right to the elephant in the room, John. The three or four dudes in the Slack channel, did it start as two dudes in the Slack channel and people got added? Are you, did you, everybody know each other or originally we, in the. It, yeah, we all knew each other and worked together at a previous company and that's how it started and the goal is that it will ultimately grow but in a like unbelievably <laughs> curated way scott's just being very careful about it um which yeah. i totally understand yeah mm-hmm. um and so it's yeah it's uh it's it's not like a repeatable model necessarily it's just sort of you know we, lightning struck with these four guys um, and we happen to do that I, when I, my first job out of grad school, I was working for a GE Information Services, uh, EDI company, now GXS, or now part of OpenText. Uh, and we had a team, market research team, supporting the strategy organization. And seven of us around the table, every single person, if you ask them, would say they were the weakest link. And that was a level of, that. Oh, probably the only time I had a group like that at a company. Uh, now, this was 1996, 7, 8. We didn't have the same technology. I'm, I'm linked with most of them on LinkedIn, but I think we left, we lost out on that chance to, to we didn't have a Slack channel or LinkedIn or whatever else with the, the technology, how we barely had mobile phones at that time. Uh, you know, it's, it, I, I really wonder what would have been if we could have, if we could have done the same thing, because I would have valued that. And, and having people you want through that type of stuff together is, is great. Yeah, well, I would sure. say I mean, in this particular venue, we would all agree that you are indeed the weakest link. <laughs> <laughs> you are the weakest link. Hey, hey I, I, mean, I know my expertise is in the facilitation, right? I may be the weakest link when it comes to product, uh, but facilitation is my, you know, I, I when I was interviewing for getting my MBA program, they said, you know, Grant, you're a white man with a bachelor's degree in management. What are you going to bring to this program? We like to think we're diverse. I'm like, I'm, I'm really from Pennsylvania. Gonna, I'm really, well, I was at Penn State too, so that wasn't really diverse, <laughs> diversity. Uh, but I, I came up with, I'm a really good communicator. I'm really good at talking with people and understanding different motivations. And I'm, the, you know, you got all these people from all these different cultures. You need somebody who'd be able to bring them together to work together. And, and so it got me in. So I, I think I stick with that. You're the Rosetta Stone. <laughs> I, yes, I am. Jason. Well, it's funny. I landed in, uh, when I was in Newport News, since it's a shipbuilding community, there wasn't really any product managers. Everybody was a project manager. So the title wasn't really there. Um, and so when I moved to Charlotte two years ago, I literally um, went to LinkedIn, looked at the, who the product management kind of senior people were, not necessarily chief product officers, but VPs and directors of product management by companies that are here in Charlotte and then just cold call them. <laughs> and the topic was, what is there here in Charlotte for product managers? And then, you know, through that conversation, I find out a little bit about how they got there, what they're doing, and then obviously supporting of a network community once I can get that going. But I thought that was an interesting approach is, is you know, kind of the curating is, you know, finding people that are at the level that you want and um, connecting with them and just asking for a brief phone call and just having a topic to talk about real quick and not taking more than 20 minutes at a time. And since then, I've had, you know, some 
coffees and I can reach out at any time. And they've been very supportive with trying to get networking going here. And so it's been, it's been interesting. So you're at a place where outside of this group, you're more individual one-on-one, but it sounds like in the, in the Charlotte community, you guys are working on building something that's going to be a more group. Yeah. We're looking to create a community. I, but I think I'm the only one that's like uber passionate about it to keep moving forward and everybody else just kind of wants something to happen for them. Yeah. But they'll, but they'll be supportive. Okay. You should talk to Jason Brett in Atlanta. Who's, oh, I'm um, very connected to Jason for sure. Okay, uh, he was one of the first ones I reached out to. <laughs> yeah, because he's so, he's making things happen in this regard. I know uh, he's so, got a lot yeah. more energy than I do, but um, it's just uh, yeah, I just need like one other person to, to yeah. help me. But yeah, I remember when I was uh, 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 there was a back before product camp. Um, <clears throat> can't remember his name right now, but I was in Boston and he wanted to start a, a, a product management association. Uh, and Boston was the only product management association that had a name instead of an acronym. Everybody else was like the DCPMA. Uh, Boston is bostonproducts.org, which I think is brilliant. And yet the people who are there don't care for it because they refer to it as BPMA. But anyway, uh, I remember t- vividly saying to the, the president of this this organization, your trick is to, to volunteer other people. What generally happens is the president says, will somebody get pizza? No one, no one, no one. Okay, I'll get pizza next time. Can somebody set up a website? Nobody, nobody, nobody. Okay, I'll set up the website. And what you really need to do is, is have, well, you have to have more than yourself in the meeting, but yeah. Once you do, it's like, hey, John, would you bring the pizza next time? Hey, Jason, could you put together a boilerplate website for us to look at you know, a week from now? And I think in my experience, most people are perfectly willing to be volunteered, but are very reluctant to actually volunteer. Yeah. But they have to be in the room with you. I mean, you can't just randomly call somebody and say, would you set up a website for me? Yeah. So... <clears throat> Go back to what really was going to be the first question, but I used the second question because it's the right lead in. <clears throat> what role does product management, your pro- product management peer network play in your professional development? So, John, I'm going to go back to you. And I mean, uh, you've got a good core group, those three or four guys who you've worked with before. You've now got, you know, hopefully us and some of the other stuff you do in the Atlanta area. How does that help your, you as you develop professionally? I think uh, we sort of talked about this a little earlier. It's around the diversity of ideas and different approaches yeah. and different um, uh, perspectives. I think that's the key element, right? Because it's really easy to get caught up, especially if you're that guy Steve was talking about who's only worked at the one place in the way it's done here or the way I'm doing it now uh, and lose track of how it could be better sometimes. Um, so just like when you have whatever the problem is, I'm you know going to the team and like, hey, I need help with this or what do you think I should do in this scenario or, or those kinds of things, or just having just random conversations about broader topics. And here's something I'm working on, which happens with the, the dudes in Slack channel. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that perspective uh, is I don't know, super valuable to me. And, you know, one of the challenges is asking questions that we're not going to have already answered before. <laughs> Cause often in the beginning, we, we you know, we start talking in the, on, on the answers from Monday and I'm like, wait a second, that's my question. <laughs> so, Let's go there. But yeah, I, I think that's key. It's, you know, that outside perspective. Jason, talk to me about, you know, your personal networking, the people you've met professionally, or even the, you know, what, what's happened with, you know, with the, the group we've been building here. How do you see that as something that's helped you professional develop your professional development? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, all week long. So a secret about me, I can't imagine ever doing anything else besides product management ever. <laughs> like if you ask me to do another role in a company, I won't take it. It's got to be something in product management. Like I just don't care about anything else. And so, um, <laughs> I, so I, I think about it all the time. And so this gives me an outlet to be able to talk to some of the things I'm thinking about, especially the format of this, where I'm actually thinking about the topic from Monday as it's introduced all week long. Um, but so, so it gives me something to think about and, and that really energizes me as I'm kind of thinking about product management while I'm doing my personal stuff, you know, and, uh, and not just the work tasks. And so I think that I'm leveling up, if you will, subconsciously by being involved in these conversations that I get to dwell on all week long. And there's the golden child coming with, boy, you ask a question and I think about it all week long. I, you know, it, it's, it's the favorite, uh, but gosh. you know, no, but seriously, you know, you think about it, we discuss it some, you know, uh, it's, it's deeper than I post a, an article or an insight on LinkedIn and I get 350 people who give me a, a heart and you're like, okay, but nothing else or except, you know, uh, some added value, like good point, Steve. You know, I mean, there's, there's no depth. No critical thought applied to the, to the yeah. responses. Yeah. Well, like, but hey, the, I will repeat that, retweet this without having read it. But it that's the difference it. between a one-way street and a two-way street. Right. Yeah. And so we, we want to build these trusted relationships where we're giving and we're getting from other people. And this whole social networking, and I'll use that as a generic term for LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, whatever else, most of it's built around one way, right? I share something and people give me a like or a, you know, a celebrate or an insightful or whatever the new, all the things they have on LinkedIn are. It, there's not a dialogue. There's not a conversation. And, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, John Harmer and I, when we were talking last week about, you know, ideas around podcasting, we, we the key central thing for me was the conversation because I could interview John and I could get good questions, but then that's not a evolution. It doesn't evolve the thought. It doesn't challenge and we don't grow with it. And so to me, you know, individual peers have helped my, me and my network in my professional development, both by getting me into roles that challenge me and, and help me do that, but also give me support uh, when I needed it. Right. And then I don't know how much the network ever did an education for me, but they definitely brought me new ideas and new perspectives uh, to help me succeed with where I'm going. And we're, we're, we're about to the top of the hour. So I want to get to our lightning round question. Uh, we did that one already. Uh, what is one word or phrase to describe the importance of professional peer networks to you? And we're going to start with Jason, then go to John. So Jason, one word or phrase to describe the importance of professional peer networks to you? Uh, growth. John. Did he steal yours? Totally stole mine. So it's, we're, we're uh, a growth well, we and <laughs> growth and um, challenge. Growth and challenge, and Steve. Diversity of thought. Growth and challenge and diversity of thought, and I'm going to add shared empathy. Uh, so there's sometimes you can't. If somebody hasn't gone through what you're going through, 
it's, you know, they, people don't understand. Uh, and so for me, it is growth. It is diversity of thought. It is, what was yours, John? Challenge. 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 Yeah. And, and to me, it's all of those things. And it's that shared empathy you get from these trusted people. So I want to thank Jason for spending all week thinking about this topic. Uh, but, you know, as always, John, Steve, Jason, wonderful conversation. John Cottrell, who had to leave earlier, thank you for being part of this conversation. As Jason knows, on Monday, the question goes in, so he knows what to think about that week. Uh, on Wednesday, we have the poll. And on Friday, we have these wonderful conversations. So, guys, thank you very much for being part of my one of my peer networks uh, professionally. I, I, I've really enjoyed this. And you guys have a great weekend. Thank Thanks, you, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thank you Thanks for listening to the Business of Product Topic of the Week brought to you by Product Growth Leaders. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. And for more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversation, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.